We have a thank you card that came from the uh, shoe boxes, and I'd just like to, to read it to you. Dear Redwood Christian Fellowship, thank you so much for packing 35 shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Each box represents an opportunity for a child to hear the gospel and experience God's love in a tangible way. We are grateful for your partnership and pray that God blesses you richly. So that is uh, just a thank you card. I know have it up here if you want to come and take a look at it. And uh, so just let you know how important that is. That those shoe boxes, you know, you, you think doesn't add up to much, but to those kids, it is amazing. Uh, some of those things uh, they've never been able to have. Uh, and uh, to have them for school for the first time is an amazing thing. And then they look forward to, if they're in that cycle, that they, they might get another one someday, you know, type of thing. It's a special, special occasion for them. We're so spoiled. <laughs> Uh, in the way of prayer, uh, just give you an update with Phil and Arlene Scriver. Uh, Arlene Scriver is mo- has moved into Sequoia Springs for rehab. Uh, she'll be there at least a month. And uh, Phil is going to be moving in there probably sometime this week uh, for rehab as well. And uh, so keep them in prayer that they can get their bodies strong and... and uh, just be with them, and uh, they're going to decide at the end of that month period of time as to whether it's something they want to extend or not, and uh, so just uh, keep them in prayer. Jackie Davis got moved from where she was uh, at Timberland uh, to uh, Seaview in Eureka, and uh, so it's an adjustment for her. And uh, you get used to how one thing works and gets to going and everything like this. And it, obviously, it's not going to be exactly the same format and, and the same way. So uh, help her uh, that she would uh, uh, be able to make the adjustments that she needs to make. And, and uh, they're, they're anxious to get her up and, and walking and moving around, and that's good. So uh, keep Jackie Davis in prayer as well. Are there any other prayer needs this morning? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's my arm, not my legs. Let me on the trampoline. <laughs> uh, okay. J- Jeremiah broken wrist. And I do have one other. Uh, Sherry uh, Clapp, her son, uh, Tyrone. Uh, oh, I'm not sure which. Her grandson, Tyson. Thank you. Her grandson, Tyson. Uh, has had back surgery, and is, uh, she's there with him, uh, helping uh, him get through his recovery. So uh, keep her and Tyson in prayer as well.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so much again for being able to bring to You the, the needs as we see them and ask, Lord, that certainly Your perfect will be accomplished in them, but we don't hesitate to pray for miraculous healings and, and Lord, that You would protect and keep these people uh, from further injury. I think in Jeremiah, uh, with a broken wrist, uh, as active as he is, uh, that's not much of a, a, a concern probably for him. So we ask your covering and protection over him while, he bring, uh, while you bring healing to his, his wrist, Lord. And that you would bring a full recovery in the sense that there would be no secondary issues, Lord. And we pray for Jackie, that you would help her adjust to this uh, new uh, rest home facility and, and just uh, uh, that she can make the, all the adjustments that she needs to make. And, and Lord, that uh, you would be with uh, uh, this whole transition for her. Be with Phil and Arlene in this transition uh, to Sequoia Springs. We ask, Lord, that... You would bring a, uh, across their paths the, the people that will be just right for their rehab and, and uh, getting strength back into their bodies. And, and uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would be with them, minister to them, let them know that you are with them. Father, as we open your word this morning, we continue to ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to receive uh, your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We are finishing up the prayer of uh, Jesus in John chapter 17. Uh, in most of your Bibles, there's a heading that says uh, Jesus' high priestly or priestly prayer. And uh, what it has to do with is is why it's labeled and pulled out and, and set apart as, as so important, there's only a few prayers that are recorded of Jesus, and they're all very short except for this one. And I find it interesting that, that uh, God chose this prayer to be one that would be with us, and, and you start to think, well, why would that be? It must be important to us. And you've got to think of the, the overall circumstances. It's the week of Passover, in fact, they've just had the Passover meal. Jesus has just shared that with his disciples. John chapter 13 is where they start the Passover meal together. It's where Jesus washes their feet in chapter 13. Okay? And here we are in chapter 17. They're still inside where they had the meal. This isn't Jesus in the garden. That's going to happen in chapter 18. This is just a personal prayer of Jesus for him, for his uh, disciples, and for all future believers who will come to know the Lord through the preaching of the disciples, through their word. And so we look at this, and, and it, I feel that there's just a tremendous amount of, of, of depth as we look at, as we look at and see Jesus' prayer here, and he's been, you know, 
you think about what he has prayed for, uh, it's, well, last week we talked about the perfect unity uh, that uh, Jesus asks that God would bless the church with and lead them into and, and, and help the church, assist the church to be one together, to be one with the Lord, be one with each other. Uh, excellent message last week from BJ on that. And so this idea of being perfectly one, so that the, and, and notice that there's a reason for this. This unity that we are to be having uh, is so that the world may know uh, that, that, that who, who God is and, and that He has sent Christ. So the world will know. Look at, 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 at this in, in verse 23 of chapter 17. It says, The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Uh, and, and so that idea of, of being one with God in such a, a relationship that you know God is in us working through us. This is what Jesus wants us to have. This is what He's praying for us. He uh, talks about... Well, let, let's read. Uh, I'm going to pick up with verse 24 this morning uh, because what we're going to see is what God wants us to have from Him in the sense of, of, of ongoing is the love of God in us. So pick up verse 24, chapter 17. Father, I desire that they also, referring to future believers as well as the disciples and the current people believing in Christ, says that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, so uh, where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So we start here looking at verse uh, 24. And, and this, what is it that Jesus desires? Just think about this. This idea of, uh, this idea of desire uh, is, is something. When you say you desire something, you might just say, "Oh, I desired. Uh, you know, wish I had a taco or something." You know, that's not this. This desire is from the very depth of his soul. That's what this word is tied to. From the very depth of who Jesus is, he would like to see this. He desires this. And so he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. And, 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 and then he says, to see my glory. And I thought, now wait a minute. What, what's he talking about? To be with me where I am. They're, they are with him right now. Back in, in, in chapter 17, verse 11, we had a transition. It says, I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, 
which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Where has Jesus gone? He says he's not in the world anymore. Jesus is looking ahead to pass the cross. And another picture of him here looking ahead to, I want them to be with me where I am going to be. I want them to be with me. And so, to be where I am and to see my glory. And I was thinking is that that idea of see his glory, uh, you know, is is a, a a word that is is this glory is his his glow his his shine. They're going to see him face to face in all his glory. They've caught a glimpse of this already on the fig, Mount of uh, Transfiguration, chapter seventeen of Matthew. When they saw uh, Jesus in his in his and he was glowing, they're, they want they they're going to see him in his full glory, and that's what Jesus wants to share with them. Uh, those that you have given me, I want I want them to be in heaven with me. Uh, and this idea is to you know this idea of his glory also is is think of what his name is. His name is to be exalted to the point where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His glory. They will be there to share in that and to, to be a, a part of that. And I was thinking, I keep saying they, they, they. I should be saying us, we. We. Because that's the future church he's also praying for. We are being prayed for. Right here, before the cross, before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, before he pays for our sins, he's already praying for us in the context that, that, that we will be seeking after him, sharing in him, having him in us and us in him type of a relationship. Intimate, personal relationship. And not just uh, you know every other, but the body of Christ as a whole. This is what He desires for us. He says, "I want them to see my glory. You have given me uh, because you loved me before the foundation of the world." Think about that phrase. God, the love they share in the fellowship of the, of, of the uh, Godhead, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the love they share is before the foundation of the world that existed. How old is this love? It's eternal. It's beyond our comprehension. A love that, that is is involved, was there at the sense of creation, all of it. This love of God, everything that God created, it says He did it so the man would know the seasons, know the times, all these things. This love was being involved even in the creation. And He says, I want you, us, the church, to have this love, to feel this love, to know this love. Because 
Jesus says, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You're talking of an eternal love, an infinite love. Love without beginning or end. It's a perfect love. It's uh, an unconditional love. And it's full of God's grace and His mercy towards us to the point where He wants us to be delivered from our sins. There's nothing that can happen, nothing that we can do. God so loves us that He sent His only Son. It's such an overused verse in so many ways. But when you stop and think about it, every time we hear that, it should strike some nerve in us that senses an awe of God and what He's done for us. Eternal love, infinite love. And, and He did it. Romans 5, chapter eight, uh, verse 8 says that even before we were saved, Jesus died for us. So it had nothing to do with what we were doing. It has everything to do with what He has done. And how much He loves us. And so I, I put down here in that context, how much does God love us? It's, that's what this is really about. How much, and, and, I, and I realized if I want to know how much God loves me, what it's telling me here is to ask, how much does God love Jesus? Because that's the love that, that Jesus is praying for us. The love that you love me with, Father. Give it to them. Cover them with it. Jesus, in verse 25, He says, O righteous Father, as the Son of God incarnate, on earth, he calls out to the Father, the one who is holy and just in every way. You realize that at the cross, justice is going to be delivered. God can't save us without that happening because he is a holy and righteous, just God. We need to be justified. And so Jesus cries out to the oh righteous and and you know holy just father. The world does not know you. What he means here is and what this word for know is the world does not accept you. It does not receive you. It rejects your word. What did we learn earlier in the in this series? The Word of God is truth. What is truth? The Word of God is truth. And the world rejects it. They may, you know, a lot of people say, if it works for you, that's fine, or it's an, a truth. But the reality is it is the truth. Period. The world doesn't know you. But I know you. 
And again, this idea of Noah is, 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 an, I, is, is now being put to, to the other side of this. I am intimate in, in my relationship with you. And then he turns around and says, and these, the believers that he's referring to, will be all of the future believers, those that exist at the time that he's praying, all the believers, includes us, it says, these know you have sent me. How well do we know the Father? Well, it stems down to how well do we know Jesus? As you're going to see here. I have made known to them. I, Jesus Christ, have made known to them your name. Remember when we, we did the study in John, first, uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was uh, with God, the Word was God. And then verse 14, the Word became flesh. And then verse 18, the Word reveals who the Father is. You know, so that is what he says. I've made, you know, I've made you known to them. I've made them, uh, to, uh, your name is, has been made known to them. They know that you have, uh, you know, Jesus says in, in uh, chapter 14 of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's made the Father known to them. And he says, I will continue to make it known to them. How does he do that? Through the Holy Spirit, at the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, opening our heart and our minds to this. He says, I'm doing all of this so that the love you have for me may be in them. The church. All believers. If you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, if you believe in your heart that He's the Son of God, and you believe that God has uh, raised Him from the dead, Romans chapter 10 says, then you're saved. That's who this is being said to. All who have confessed Christ as their Savior. The love you have for me may be in them, Thus, I in them. I am in them. Jesus wants all believers to know, to have the love that Godhead shares together before the foundation of the world. Jesus wants us to have that love active in us. And it's so life-changing. And if it really engulfs the community of believers... Jesus goes further and says, the rest of the world will know you are Christians by the way you love one another. It's the application of this love. The love that the Godhead shares, He wants to pour into us. Collectively as a a body, individually as a child of God. If you haven't got a hold of this yet, the number one character trait of God is love. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, well, let's, let's read this. Uh, go to 1 John chapter 4 
and uh, follow along with me. Verse 7. Now, let's see. We don't, we don't have the kids in here now. <laughs> you know, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's it's not God has love. God, you know, gives love. It's God is love. It's an identity of who He is. It's his number one character trait. And what Jesus is basically saying here in this prayer is, I want it to become your, I want God bless the church and have it become their number one character trait. The believers, all of them, that it's their number one character trait. The response he's looking for from us uh, is given some direction by uh, Paul when he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 5 of Ephesians. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. The love that Christ has, it's been described here, this infinite Love that the Godhead shares. The idea is that we would share it also. That we would walk in this love as Christ loved us. You're familiar with Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. Okay, the fruit of the Spirit is Love. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that when that is written, that is the fruit of the Spirit, the love of God. This word love is the agape, unconditional love that comes from God. You can't have it on your own. So you need God to have it. And so this, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you is that God's love will start to become evident to, in, in your life. And in, as it becomes evident in your life, certain things start to happen. Uh, you start to experience joy. You start to have peace. You start to develop patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul writes, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the desires. The love of God has all these characteristics of patience, kindness, joy, gentleness. We don't have the gentleness, the idea of that gentleness is even explained in Ephesians also at another point. Uh, that we don't have harsh words for people. We don't talk about people behind their back. All of this is part of what God wants working in us. Gentleness, patience, long-suffering. 
And again, if this character trait is developing in the church, the community around you is going to stand back and say, they are different. Look, there goes people that have been with Christ. That's what happened in the first century. That's how they got the name Christians. Look, there go the people that have been with Christ. Oh, Christians. <laughs> yeah. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, you're familiar with the the chapter, it's called sometimes the love chapter, chapter 13. Paul makes it clear, he says, If I spoke with tongues of men, of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong. In other words, if I have gifts that come from the Spirit, but I don't have love, I'm just a noise box. I'm a loud bell ringing and nothing else. By the way, when a bell rings, you, you hear it really loud and it vibrates for a little while and then all of a sudden it just kind of fades away. That's what he wants us to see here. Without love, I'm nothing. I'm a clanging symbol. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to even remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love, and again, look at this list. <laughs> Sound familiar? Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. God's love is eternal. Love, the love He pours into us is infinite. It never ends. When Jesus was asked for the great commandment, the, what, what's the greatest commandment? He was being asked by the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and, and, and the Herodians different questions. And the, the Pharisees hadn't asked their questions yet. That what they were doing was they were trying to trick Him up. Get Him to say something that, that he would get in trouble for. And nobody had been able to do it up to this point. And so the Pharisees said, well, we've got a question that no one can answer. We stand at the gate and we have stood at the gate for centuries debating about the, the, the Ten Commandments and which is the greatest. And it depends on who you're talking to and what they're thinking and, 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 and at the moment and, and what's going on in our culture and everything else as to which is the worst. Jesus cannot answer this one. And Jesus says, why? No problem. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you can see him just stand there like, what do we do now? We didn't expect this one. And Jesus said that there, there were no, you know, this was the the entirety of the law was represented in that those two statements. If you were to go to Deuteronomy or Exodus, let's just say Exodus chapter twenty, where the recording of the Ten Commandments is, you go through the first four, and they have to do with your relationship with God, to love God, 
to uh, and no, have no other God before Him, no idols, these types of things, honor the Sabbath. The first four are to love God, basically. To honor Him, to worship Him, and Him alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The next five, uh, six, the, the, the commandments five through ten, have to do with how you interact with your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus said the whole law is tied up in these two, what he did was he gave a summary of the law. This is who you are. This is who we are to be. This is the kind of people we are to be. I want to go back to to 1 John, uh, again, chapter 4. And again, looking at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love uh, does not know God, because God is love. Now going on. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And the idea of through Him is more inclusive than we would normally think, live in Him through Him, being a part of what He is and does. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that that, that He loved us. We didn't initiate this. We're not capable of it in the flesh by ourselves. It takes God opening our eyes, God opening our heart. God putting it before us in such a way that we look at it and say, Wow. We have, it says, He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is, is the idea of the sacrifice. He is to be the sacrifice for our sins. This propitiation, this sacrifice was accomplished at the cross. When we take communion, we celebrate what happened at the cross. God so loved us. What kind of love? Eternal, infinite love. He's loved us before the foundation of the world. Does that not strike something in you to think about amazing that is? Before there was the foundation of the world, before the creation happened, God already loved us. And He loved us with the love that Godhead shares between themselves. And as we look at this, we realize that God... All creation loves us, and He loved us before the foundation of the world, so that His Son, well, the, the, that picture, so that His Son to, would become the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's our response to this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. There was an article that I read, and it says, okay, if God so loved us and that, that he wants this in us, and he says, do you feel, first off, do you feel loved of God that way? And if you do, do you feel like you're sharing that love with other people? Are you treating people with that kind of love? And it's all, you, you heard the definitions, patience, kindness, gentleness, that type of thing. So as we take communion this morning, thinking of the cross and what Christ has done for us, recognizing that that is what opened the door for us to become children of God, to be in this position where we will be with Him eternally. We will see His glory face to face. And all of this because of what He did to open the door for us. He loved us first. He died for us. Before the foundation of the world, the plan of salvation was put into to place. When we take communion today, we have two options. Uh, again, because of the COVID, uh, we won't be passing the tray around. But in the tray, we have a, a double cup. Uh, when you pick up the, the, it'll be two cups. One has the bread in it. The other has the grape juice in it. And that's one way you can use. The other one is the uh, packet that you tear open, and the bread's on the top, and then you tear it again, and the juice is available at that point. So that's, that's what we have We'll ask you to come up and pick the communion up while we are singing the communion song, and then we'll share it together.
Paul writes to the Corinthians, I received from the Lord what I now deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Father, once again, we come before You to say thank You for the opportunity to share these emblems that represent your sacrifice. To know that our sins are taken to the cross and when You said it is finished, they were covered. It was done. Paid in full. We thank You. We worship You. We ask, Lord, that through Your Holy Spirit You would fill us with Your love that we might reach out to others and show them the love of God, the love of Christ, what You have done for us. Give us the desire to not only follow the great commandment, but to follow the great commission and to be ambassadors for You. And again we pray, that You would pour Your Spirit out in such a way on the congregations here in Fortuna and the Eel River Valley and beyond where the churches that preach Your Word and preach the truth, preach You as Savior and You alone, we ask, Lord, that You would bless them, cause us to be seen as the ones who love one another. Again, we worship You. We praise You. We thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. We thank You for the cross. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? Thank You for being here this morning. Lord bless.